Hello and welcome back to the Need to Lead podcast, where we explore everything leadership related in order to help you get the best out of yourself and out of those around you. And on today's episode of the podcast, we are going to be speaking about high performance habits. So what are some of the habits that you need to embed into yourself and then potentially help embed into others in order to enable you to lead a high performing life? And this applies whether you lead other people and want to establish higher levels of performance within an organization or a team or a company, or just with yourself. You're ambitious, you've got goals for your career, maybe you're self-employed, maybe you're just employed in a department, but you want to grow to the ranks or maybe move to a different department or a different company and climb the corporate ladder. Whatever it is, these habits are going to be fundamental foundations that you can lay in order to help make sure that you're performing at your best level and doing that consistently. And that's an important, I suppose, key piece to understand when we're looking at this stuff is that the consistency element of high performance is one of the most important things. And is what tends to separate the really high performers and high achievers to those who have potential and those who are capable and competent, but just don't show up enough, don't show up consistent enough. And if you watch football, there's hundreds of thousands of examples of this, of players who you see on the pitch who are unbelievable on their day. They can be world beaters, they can be great players, but they just don't do it often enough. Maybe it's every 10th game, they'll have an absolute worldly of a performance and you'll be reminded of how great they are. But day in, day out, you can't trust them. You can't rely on them. You can't put their name in a team sheet and be sure, yeah, he's or she is going to put in a big shift today. We're going to get what we need from them. And those people tend not to rise to the levels that they're capable of because the lack of consistency holds them back. And ultimately what ends up happening is that lack of consistency allows other people who are a little bit less talented but more consistent to close the talent gap and to catch up on them and actually surpass them and overtake them. So we want to get some high performance habits in place and we want to make sure there's stuff that you can do and stick to consistently. And if you just go on Google high performance habits, you're going to get a list of hundreds of thousands of millions of things. Pick a number, the biggest number you can think of. The list will be that size. Because in reality, there are so many different things that you could do or implement into your life that may help you perform at a higher level. And one of the things you need to be careful of in these situations is Generally, the stuff that's going to be promoted by different companies as being a high-performance habit will just so happen to also be a product that they sell or something that you need to buy, according to them. For example, it could be a high-performance supplement, which they just so happen to have a special offer on at the moment, or a high-performance journal that they just so happen to have released a limited edition and you need to buy it now, etc. So needless to say, there is hundreds of thousands of options of potential habits for high performance that you could bring in and look at in your own life. And what I want to do in this podcast is help distill those, cut away the, the fatty meat that you don't need and get to the crux of what are just some of the fundamental basics, foundations that if you go and get in place now or work on over the next little while, you'll see immediately or immediate increases in your productivity, in your competence, in your own confidence and being able to churn out good quality performances and work. And over time, I start to see that translate into you climbing the ladder, you being more successful, you achieving more, you basically getting more shit done to a higher level and to a higher standard. And what I've often found with these sort of things with my own personal life, but then working with clients and helping them to start to incorporate some of this stuff into what they're doing is there's a definite 80-20 principle that applies with this stuff. And the 80-20 principle is 
a an old it's historically old but in terms of its way of playing out in the real world it's constant and evergreen and it's a way that the distribution of say quality or work or anything else in any realm of uh observation i suppose that you could look at tends to play out and the 80 20 principle is basically in any realm pick a pick an area so for this we're going to look at the high performance habits there's imagine there's a hundred habits right so a hundred percent of the habits would be a hundred of them in reality there's only about 20 or so of the habits that you would need to bring into your life in order to get 80 percent of the results and that's why it's called the 80 20 principle because there's 20 percent of things that will get you 80 percent of the results and then there's the other 80 percent of stuff that will get you the extra 20 percent gains and when we're ever looking to make improvements and particularly from a starting point the best thing we can do is simplify the process Get rid of all the extra stuff that's useful and helpful, but not fundamental. And focus on what are the 20% things I need to do in order to see 80% of the results. Because that's the low-hanging fruit that we can go and pick off today and start seeing some immediate returns on that action. And it plays out, as I said, across so many realms of life. If you look in a company, for example, and you may be one of these people, you'll see that 80% of the work gets done by about 20% of the people. And the other 80% of the people combined get about 20% of the work done. If you look at the distribution of wealth across the, the globe, about 20% of people on planet Earth have 80% of the wealth. And then the other 80% is distributed across the other 20% of the people. So these sort of distributions play out across the board. And it's really interesting insight in principle, which I promise we're not going to get into on this episode of the podcast. But I want to open with that frame because that's the mindset I want you in as we move through this. Because as I said, there's millions of potential options of habits we could get in. And depending on who you follow, who you're seeing on social media, who's kind of topical and big and trendy at the moment, you'll hear different information. Oftentimes you'll hear conflicting information about what works versus what doesn't work. And there's so much nonsense and misinformation out there that you can just be left scratching your head thinking, right, what do I actually do here? This fella saying do this thing, this woman saying do the opposite thing. They're contradicting each other and I'm just left in the middle thinking about what the fuck am I meant to do with all of this anyways. And I don't want confusion. I don't want you leaving this thinking, well, that was great, but I just wasted an hour or whatever it was. And I don't really know what to do next. So what I'm going to do is break down the most fundamental habits that I found for myself from research and reading about others and from implementing my clients that I found to have the greatest impact and give them to you so you can literally take them, steal them, copy them, and go and plug them and play with them into your own life. And I think the best place to start in terms of breaking this up is by looking at the morning time. So breaking it up into your morning, then your actual work day, and then your evening. And splitting time up into those different areas of the day. So you can look at each one in detail and be like, okay, these are the habits I need at this moment. These are the habits that go into this section of my day. And then finally, these are the habits that close out the day. And before I get, to, get kicked off into this, please obviously keep in mind that some of these may be completely applicable to you and then others just may not resonate or may not be possible. If you're not self-employed, for example, you may not have full control over your workday. So when I say different things around context switching or blocking out your diary for certain things, etc., you just may not be able to do that thing exactly as is. And that's fine. It doesn't mean you need to throw away everything else. It just means you need to pick the ones that apply to you and go with them. And the ones that don't quite apply to you, not necessarily ignore them, but take them with a pinch of salt and ask yourself, well, is there a way I could modify that to bring into what I currently do within my job? 
is there something I can take from it that may not exactly mimic what I've said to do, but is along the same lines and can help me move forward and improve. Because as with any habit, the most important thing is it's something that's going to be realistic and sustainable for you, right? If you look in the fitness world, some habits are completely sustainable for others. Maybe it's going keto and just never eating carbs again. And that works for some people. But for somebody else, you may say, well, fuck that. I don't want to live in a world where carbs don't exist. I don't want to have to give up carbs forever. And that's fine. That just means you need to modify that habit to suit your lifestyle so you can go and stick to it consistently. And the same thing applies here. So we're going to kick off looking at the morning time. And I want to kick this off by giving a couple of don'ts, do not do's in the morning. Because if you're doing either of these two things, I can guarantee you're not going to be a high performer. The first one is getting up just in time. And the second one is spending the first whatever half an hour, hour of your morning scrolling through social media. If you're just getting up in the nick of time, let's say you work from home, you start work at 9 a.m. and you set your alarm for 8.59 to be up just in time, that's a big no-no. And if you're spending, let's say you are getting up 20 minutes before work, you spend that 20 minutes scrolling through Instagram and Facebook, that is also a big no-no for high performance. Those two things alone will... I'm not going to say they will ruin your day and write it off completely, but they will put you immediately immediately on the back foot for the rest of the day for a couple of reasons one if you're just getting up in the nick of time if you're just rolling out of bed and onto the laptop or starting work you are not primed physically mentally psychologically for the day ahead and if you are taking an hour to wake up to actually get into a state where you feel somewhat human again you can actually get stuck back into work properly that's an hour you've wasted <laughs> and it's an hour that the competition, where your competition is, maybe getting ahead. It's an hour that you may as well have just stayed in bed for. You probably didn't get a whole lot done. And it's not setting you up for success from the get-go. And similarly, if you're spending the first 20, half, 20 minutes, half an hour of the day scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through, scrolling through Facebook, you're setting yourself up in what's called a reactive mode. Because ultimately, that's what social media is. It's a reactive platform. You scroll, you see something that you like or dislike, and you feel good about it or you feel bad about it or you get angry about it and you want to comment and start fighting on the comment section or whatever else. But it's putting you in a reactive mode straight away. And that's not a place you want to be in. Because in work, to some extent, you will be in a reactive mode. You will be in a state where you're responding to emails, to text messages, to stuff from clients, to stuff from distributors or retailers or whatever else it is. So as much as possible, we want to put ourselves in a proactive state of mind in the mornings so when we're rolling into work and getting stuck into these situations, we're not already bringing attacks from the morning in with us where we've been reactive. We've been uh, accommodating the world around us on social media of being put in situations of watching videos we don't like or seeing comments that are negative and just putting us in that mindset. And if you are objective about it and pull yourself back, you will see probably 80% of the stuff on social media is negative. It's people moaning complaining it's racial abuse it's slagging it's all this other stuff which is just not helpful and particularly when it comes to starting off your morning it's the last place you want to be in if you're a high performer you do not want to be going into your work day and into your uh, attack on the world let's say your mission for the day feeling negative haven't seen a bunch of shit on social media that pisses you off or annoys you or having to respond to messages from people that give you uh, a, a real sense of just I don't want to do this I don't want to be here I don't want to listen to this shit and then you go in and you start your work day and you're already starting from a place of I just don't want to be here today 
And that is very difficult to pull yourself out of that hole. So as much as possible, we want to control that. So those are the two fundamental things. Do not start your day like that. If that's how you start your day, then your quick fix is number one, get set your alarm and get up earlier. Give yourself at least half an hour, at least, ideally more, but at least half an hour. And number two, do not go near social media first thing in the morning. Unsnooze your alarm, you know, flick your alarm off and then just leave your phone down. Go do something else and we'll run through what you can do in a minute. But don't start scrolling. Get out of that habit immediately because it will kill any chance of high performance. Now, that begs the question, well, if I'm getting up earlier and I'm not scrolling through social media, what do I do with this time? Do I just lie in bed and, you know, try not to fall back asleep, play that game of, yeah, I'll just lie here and try not to fall back asleep and five minutes later, be can't go again. Well, there is actually a lot you could do in that time. But I want to start with a high level thing and then we can get into specific details. But the most important thing in the morning is use that time to set yourself up for success. If the other two things I've said have been setting yourself up for not success, maybe not quite failure, but definitely not high performance, getting up last minute and scrolling through social media. What we want to do is the opposite. We want to set ourselves up for a successful day ahead. And there's a lot of stuff you could do within that time block in the morning that can do that, that can get you up on the front foot and get you moving in the right direction. And have you come, whatever the start of your actual work day is, in a position where you're ready to go. <laughs> you're ready for the challenges that are inevitably going to come up. You're ready for the difficulties. You're ready for the dramas. You're ready for all this shit. But you've taken that time in the morning for yourself to get grounded, get present, to get clear on what you need to get done for the day and to get out of your own way. To get whatever negative thoughts might be out of your head. Set yourself up mentally for a good day ahead. And there's lots of little things you can do. So some examples, common ones that I find useful, that clients have found useful will be reading. So reading, using those minutes in the morning to educate yourself. And it doesn't have to be anything major. Like, Pick something you're interested in, something you want to learn more about, something you want to be better at. If it's something that's related to your job, let's say you're self-employed and you want to work on your market and using that time in the morning to really drill down and upskilling yourself in marketing. All of these things, using it to get yourself a step ahead. Even if it's just 1%, it's 1% above everybody else in the world. And if every single morning you're giving yourself a 1% advantage over a year, that's a 365% advantage. So essentially, you already finished the race before they've even started. These are the marginal gains that we can get in the morning times. So using it for upskilling yourself, for reading, meditating is a great one to start off your day. It's one that I find very useful. It doesn't have to be long, literally five minutes, 10 minutes. You can, if you're confident enough to do it, or you're comfortable doing it, you can literally just sit in silence and meditate by yourself. If you're not, you can use a guided one on, on YouTube, or there's an app I use called Insight Timer inside timer and you can follow guided meditations on there or you can just set a little timer for yourself but using the first few mo moments in the morning to get grounded to get clear to walk through any maybe shit you're carrying over from the day before or from a bad dream or whatever else it may be and using that time just to clear that out and start the day from a blank sleep and a place of groundedness and presence is a great one you can use that time to write now that could be right as in let's say you are trying to write a book at the moment you could do that. Let's say you want to write as in journal. So write down stuff from the day before, stuff that's on your mind, maybe things that's weighing you down, anxieties, worries for the day ahead, etc. Get that out of yourself, externalize it, get it onto some paper and just clear it out so you're not carrying that into your workday. And for some people, exercise. So exercise the first thing in the morning, getting up and getting your workout in, getting your walk in for the day, getting to the gym. Again, it may be realistic, it may be not, depending on what your day looks like. 
But if you're someone who finds getting it done early in the morning works best for you, then use that time in the morning to get your shit done. So that by the time you're coming to start your actual work day when the rest of the world is awake and alive, you've already got your work done. You've already got your walking. You've already got your reading done, got your studying done, got your writing done, got your meditating done, whatever it is. And you're already a step ahead of the pack. And on any one day, it might give you a little bit of an advantage. But doing that consistently day after day, month after month, year after year, you will move far, far, far ahead of everyone else who's not doing that. Because I guarantee most people are not. Most people are doing the first two things I said do not do. Getting up at the very last minute they possibly can. Like if they have to be out the door by 7 o'clock, they're getting up at 5 to 7. Right? If they start working at 9 o'clock and they work from home, they're getting up at 5 to 9 just to get the laptop on, just in time to grab a quick piss and get back in and start work on time. <laughs> or they're spending that time they do have in the morning scrolling through Facebook, scrolling through Instagram, scrolling through TikTok, being reactive, reacting to the world around them and taking on all that negative shit that everyone else is putting into their mind rather than putting that to the side and creating a container for themselves where they get to decide what kind of day am I going to have. So that's a great way to start off in the morning is looking at those things and doing some stuff to get yourself a step ahead. Another thing I love to do in the morning that I find really helpful is to quickly, and only in a little way, you don't have to do anything massive on this, but plan the day ahead. So plan what's going to happen and do it from the frame of the question to ask yourself, what does success today look like for me? So in other words, what has to happen for me to be lying in bed tonight with my head on the pillow, reflecting on the day that's just gone and feeling a sense of pride, achievement, feeling good about the day, not lying there feeling like, could have done that or I regret doing this or not doing this or if I could do today over again, this is what I would have done instead. Using that time in the morning to really ask yourself, what does a successful day today look like? And then reverse engineering that and getting specific on it. These are the things I need to do. I need to do these two tasks in work. I need to get to the gym. I need to cook dinner. I need to ring my ma. I need to write a letter to somebody. And I need to take at least an hour in the evening to relax, have some downtime, watch something on telly with the missus, whatever it is, before going to bed. And if all those things get done, then today was a success and I'm happy with it. And if you can get crystal clear on those specifics, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to actually succeed. Because realistically, you're not going to have a successful day by chance. You're not just going to stumble through the day and magically tick off all these boxes. You need to be clear and you need to set that intention in the morning so that when you're launching into your day, you know exactly what needs to happen. And you can take responsibility for it. <laughs> Apologies, I have a little bit of a cough at the moment, so apologies if the uh if you're listening on spotify and you're hearing me cough quite a lot we want to use that time to get really clear on these are the steps that need to happen these are the little milestones that i need to cross in order to get to the end point which is success today and also getting clear on those things allows you then to be intentional about what you're actually going to do because you could have on any given day hundreds of things that need to get done that are on a to-do list and at some point you need to make the decision that well you know what this one's important, but it's not essential. I don't need to get it done today and I haven't got the bandwidth for it. So I'm going to do that tomorrow instead. This one's actually not that important to me. So I'm going to scrap that. This one, I can get someone else to do it. I can delegate it, whatever else. So I'm taking that off the list. And you can actually craft what needs to be done for the day based on well, what's realistic for me to do. What can I actually get done? Rather than having a big massive list of stuff that you think you should do in your head, 
going throughout your day feeling stressed, feeling like you're carrying a ton of bricks on your shoulders because you've got all this shit you need to get done, running out of time, things run over, you get stressed out, you start getting snappy, you get angry, you make mistakes, you fumble things, and then you get to the end of the day feeling like you spent all day running and you got nowhere. That is not a good place to be, and it's definitely not high performance. So getting clear on what are the specifics you need to get done, ask yourself, what does success today look like for me? And then using that as the filter to decide, well, these are the things that I'm going to do. And these are the things that are either going to get delegated or deleted. So I'm either going to ask someone else to do them. I'm just going to move them. They're not getting done or they're going to get done on a different day. It's not on today's to-do list. And having that outer scoreboard to focus your mind on, say, these are the tasks. If I can get the end of the day and all these boxes are ticked, I know that this was a successful day. Now, an interesting thing is when I speak about this to some people, they actually have a lot of resistance around the idea of having a to-do list or having a checklist of what are the things that they want to get done in any given day. And I always ask them the same question because they'll say, I don't like the feeling of having a checklist or a to-do list. I feel kind of constrained by it. I feel like I get strangled by it. I don't like the feeling. It gives me some anxiety that I have to get all this stuff done. And I just don't like that feeling. And the question I'll always ask them back is, well, which feeling do you dislike more? The feeling of having a to-do list and some external accountability to get stuff done or the feeling of lying in bed at night knowing, you know what, today was a bit of a write-off. I didn't get all the things I needed to get done done. I fell behind and I'm not moving in the right direction in alignment with the person that I want to be. Which one of those feelings do you dislike more? And make your choice from that place. Because I fully understand having a to-do list isn't the most fun thing to do. It does put a little bit more pressure on you. But I prefer that feeling 10 times over than the feeling of looking in the mirror before you go to bed at night and thinking, you know what? I dropped the ball today. I didn't get it all done. I let myself down. That is a much worse feeling to have. So if you are someone who has some resistance to it, I hear you, but try it out and stick with it. Because that bit of discipline and that bit of external accountability from the checklist will help make sure you get things done and move in the right direction rather than leaving it vague and leaving it to chance. And I want to just close off that section with a little quote by Seneca, who had a great quote on the use of time. And he said, it's not that we have little time, but more of that we waste a good deal of it. So if you're someone who constantly feels like there's more stuff to get done than you have hours in the day, chances are it's not quite a time issue. It's how you're using that time. And a great exercise, if you feel like this, feel like you constantly just don't have enough time to get anything done, an exercise I'm going to challenge you to do is get a piece of paper and write out your entire day in 30-minute intervals. So let's say you wake up at 7. Do 7, 7, 30, 8, 8, 30, 9, 9, 30, 10, 10, 30, etc., etc., all the way up until you go to bed, right? <laughs> so all the way from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, every 30 minutes, have a little piece uh, or sheet, piece on the sheet of paper for that time block. And I want you, every 30 minutes for the next couple of days, to write down on that piece of paper exactly what are you doing at that moment. So 7 a.m. could be wake up. 7.30 could be breakfast. 8 a.m. could be get dressed. 8.30 a.m. could be walk. 9 a.m. could be start walk. 9.30 could be walk meeting. 10 a.m. could be coffee. Whatever it is, but every 30 minutes, write down exactly what you're doing at that time. And after two full days of doing that, go back and review your list. And I guarantee you will see places throughout the day where you're just wasting time and you may not even be consciously aware of it. You may just be scrolling on your phone, watching stuff on Netflix, going down a YouTube rabbit hole about stuff that is just completely weird, but you end up just getting stuck into it anyways. 
whatever it is. And you can start finding those little gaps. And once you've got awareness of them, you can begin to change them. So if you are someone who feels that you will never have enough time, you're perpetually just busy, but never really get stuff done. Use that exercise. I've done it three or four times at this stage. And I always take something a little bit different away from it. That helps me just improve by one, 2%. Do that enough times and you will make significant improvements in your performance and in your productivity. And the last thing on the morning section that I want to just throw at you, you don't necessarily need to do what I'm with this right now, but something that I've been experimenting with that I found really useful. And I got it from Andrew Huberman. And I know a lot of you listening will be big caffeine fans and coffee fans like myself. So it may be something you want to try out, particularly if you find you're a victim of the caffeine crash, maybe around two, three o'clock, you start to feel tired, you need a nap, you need to sleep, you can't keep your eyes open, etc. If you are someone who has coffee or a cup of coffee first thing in the morning, like within sort of 20 minutes, half an hour waking up, something you may want to try is delaying your first hit of caffeine until 90 minutes to two hours after waking up. So not having any caffeine until at least 90 minutes, ideally close to two hours after you first wake up. And the reason for that is twofold. I won't go into the science behind it, but one has got to do with adenosine and caffeine basically blocks the ability of adenosine to uh, stick to the adenosine receptors in your cell, which increases the feelings of tiredness, drowsiness. <laughs> and the second is to do with cortisol. Humans have a natural cortisol increase over the course of the day, which should align with when you should be going back to sleep later on that evening. But drinking a cup of caffeine and coffee increases cortisol. So it causes a spike in cortisol. And what happens is when you get that spike in cortisol, eventually over a few hours, that begins to wane off. And it's when that cortisol speak, or peaks and then drops off is when we start to feel tired, drowsy, etc. And what's been found in the research is that by delaying your first caffeine hit by 90 minutes to two hours after you wake up, it gives enough time for adenosine to be cleared out of the body. It allows cortisol levels to start to rise naturally so that when you do consume caffeine, you don't get the same harsh spike and then crash, which causes the tiredness and causes that afternoon slump. So if you've been finding that you have coffee first thing in the morning and pretty, pretty much you're always feeling tired and drowsy around two, three o'clock in the afternoon, try delaying that first cup of coffee. Give it 90 minutes to two hours and try that for a week. I've done it myself. I've been doing it now for the past, must be three months or so at this stage. And I found massive improvements in energy levels throughout the day, just by doing that one thing. So give it a go and let me know how you get on. Now, I understand the idea of delaying that first cup of coffee by an extra 90 minutes is not ideal. One of the things that might get you out of bed so early in the morning is actually the thought of getting down and having a cup of coffee. So I understand that. It's not the easiest thing to do. But we're here talking about high performance habits. And it's one that I've definitely found has helped me. So I'm sure it may help you if you're willing to give it a go. Now, one caveat to that is if you're exercising first thing in the morning and you're doing a hard workout first thing, it's fine to use caffeine after you wake up. It's fine to get up, have your cup of coffee and then go and hit a workout. That's cool because the exercise, the changes in your body as a result of doing the exercise is in the hormonal fluctuations that happen when you're active and when you're lifting weights or running hard or pushing yourself to certain levels of intensity actually offsets what I've said about cortisol and the adenosine receptors, etc. So if you're going to exercise first thing, it's cool to have your coffee. But if not, hold off on your caffeine for a little bit. So that's morning time. Next, I want to move into, okay, we've had our mornings, we set ourselves up for success. We've read, meditated, journaled, we've exercised, we haven't had coffee within 90 to 120 minutes. We're good to go. We've set ourselves up for success. We've laid the foundations. 
So what's next? Well, next we're going to look at in your actual workday, the first thing you want to make sure is that you've laid your day out in order to avoid context switching. And before I get into that, this is the section particularly where I think some of you may be able to apply a lot of this stuff. Some of you may be limited if you're not completely in control of your schedule or what you do on a daily basis in work. So if you're in that position, please keep listening, keep going through this, but just ask yourself the question of how can I apply that to myself? Or how do I apply this to my life? Because you may not be able to directly take it and use it, but I'm sure there'll be some principles within this that you can begin to map out into your own work, into your own daily activities that can help you perform to a bit of a higher level. So the first thing is have your day laid out in order to prevent context switching. Now, context switching is simply what it says. <laughs> Sorry again. It's if or it's when you switch context within your work. And context means different domains, different areas, different forms of activity that you're doing. So let's say right now I'm recording a podcast. Then let's say I'm after this, I'm jumping on a Zoom call with a client. Then I'm writing a post. Then I'm back on a Zoom call. Then I'll record another podcast. Then I'm responding to messages from clients. That's a lot of context, which I've gone from podcast mode to client service mode to typing mode and you know email mode to messaging mode, to podcast mode again, to Zoom call mode again, et cetera. And every time I try to switch that context, there's an idea that it taxes some of my energy, my focus, my attention. And the more that I do have throughout the day, the more energy, focus, and attention I just lose as a result of being taxed. I try to switch from this context into this one. <laughs> so what we want to do instead of having all that energy being lost and it wrecking our productivity is we want to set ourselves up in a way where we limit the amount of context which we have to do on a day-to-day -day basis or on a minute-to-minute -minute basis. And the best way we can do that is to time block our schedules. So if you're self-employed, for example, you'll have a time block in the morning where you do your marketing work. And then maybe after that, you do your coaching work. Then after that, maybe you do your sales calls work. Then after that, maybe you do some business development work. But you don't have it split up where you're going from marketing to coaching to sales, to business development, back to coaching, back to sales, back to marketing. Because every time you're switching context, you're losing energy. You're losing focus. You're losing attention. And you're losing it just as a process of trying to switch these things. And it's not benefiting you or your business. So it's gone. It's wasted. And it's almost like, imagine you're thinking of it from a financial perspective and it's money. You're basically just losing money, switching from one thing to another, rather than keeping everything in its specific time blocks and being most efficient with your energy, your time, and your focus. Because research suggests that it takes people, on average, nine and a half minutes to get back into a productive workflow after switching from one app to another app or from one way of walking into another way of walking. So let's say I do half an hour of a Zoom call here recording this podcast. Then I go to do half an hour of email marketing, for example. And then I go to do half an hour of sales calls, for example. But every time I switch, I'm actually losing about 10 minutes of productivity and productive work just as a consequence of trying to switch contexts. So that half hour work block is actually only 20 minutes of productive work and 10 minutes of wasted energy that didn't actually get anything done because I'm trying to switch and change contexts. So as much as possible, we want to set ourselves up in a way where we're not switching. We're consistent. We have this time block for this specific task. We can focus on that and get it done and then move on to the next thing and get that done and then move on to the next thing. But where possible in your life, keep stuff consistent. 
don't have your day spread out completely like that. <laughs> there may be some times where it just has to happen. And that's unfortunate, but that's life. You can't be completely in control of it all the time. But as much as possible, take ownership of it and go and break your day into chunks that you can keep doing the same sort of tasks, batch them together and not have yourself split, you know, pull all different directions and then give a moment throughout the day. And one thing that can help is the breaking your day up into 90 minute work blocks and having each 90 minute work block broken into uh, three rounds of what's called the Pomodoro technique. And the Pomodoro technique is basically a 30 minute work block, right? In that 30 minutes, 25 minutes is work, five minutes is what they call rest. So it'll be 25 minutes of focused, attention, detailed work, and then five minutes of taking a break. So going to the toilet, grabbing a cup of coffee, cup of tea, going for a little walk, whatever it is, but getting away from the walk. And then coming back, another 25 minutes, five-minute break, and then finally another 25 minutes and your five-minute break. And doing three rounds of that, of those 30-minute blocks, gives you 90 minutes. And in that 90 minutes, then, you may do your marketing work or your sales work or your data collection work or your administrative work or whatever it is. But breaking up into that way can be a nice little way of just breaking up for yourself in your own mind. Okay, this will be my coaching time. This will be my marketing time. This will be my data time. This will be my exercise time, whatever it will be. But having something like that in mind and finding what works best for you, experimenting with some things, trying some stuff out, but breaking stuff up and down, breaking stuff up and down in a way that allows you to stick to it consistently, but be really productive and efficient at what you're working on. Another thing that's so important is have buffers in your schedule. So in other words, don't be back to back to back to back all day long. I know the feeling and it's a killer. It's not sustainable. You might be able to do it for a couple of days, but after that, you'll just be drained and you won't be showing up in the way you want to be showing up on calls or in meetings or whatever else and with your family and friends outside of work. But it also puts you under unnecessary scarcity throughout the day. And there's a great book called Scarcity by Elder Shafir and Sendhil Mullinathan, which is a really good book. It's kind of a heavy read. You know, there's a lot of scientific lingo in it. There's a lot of research, et cetera, in it. But it's fascinating. It looks at how does scarcity play into humans and into the human mind and how we act differently when we're operating from a place of scarcity compared to a space of abundance, feeling like we have enough, right? And they use a good analogy of a suitcase. And everyone has had the experience of trying to pack your suitcase for holidays and struggling to fit everything in. And you imagine the scenario where you're just lumping all your clothes in and trying to close it, but you can't fit the suitcase together to close it and zip it up properly, and you're stuck. Versus if you just took the same objects, but instead of just throwing them in, you folded them nice and neatly and smallly and tidily in and place them around the suitcase, you can close it up a whole lot nicer and easier. And it's the same amount of clothes or shit. It's the same weight of stuff. But the way you've distributed it and broken it up allows you to fit it in nicely without that same feeling of scarcity of, fuck, how am I going to fit all this in? I can't close the suitcase, etc. And we use the same, we can use the same process in our schedule and in our day-to-day basis. And all it will look like is leaving 10, 15 minutes between different tasks from when you're switching from one context to another. After, let's say you're doing back-to-back calls, leaving 10, 15 minutes between calls, that gives you a buffer. So if, for example, the call runs over, if your internet is acting up, if someone rings you and you need to take a call, if the delivery driver's out the front door with your new top and you want to go down and try it on, you have the bandwidth to be able to react to those things without it taking away from your next task. 
because on the converse situation where you're back to back all day, one of those things happens and it fucks you up for today. You're chasing your tail. You're constantly trying to catch up again. You make mistakes. You get sloppy. You forget things. And it just creates this negative vicious cycle that we want to avoid. And we can't avoid it by building those buffers in. And that's a very simple one, but it's so effective. It's just give yourself an extra five, 10 minutes between tasks, between context switching, between calls. So you have that buffer. You have a little bit more bandwidth and you're not operating from that place of scarcity. And another thing I'll add on to that is plan your stuff you want to get done during the day into your calendar. Don't wait for it to happen by chance. And that's stuff like taking your lunch break, maybe taking a tea break or a coffee break. If you can get to the gym during the day and that's what you like to do, planning your gym session to happen at specific times and having that blocked out in your calendar in the same way you would as a doctor's appointment or a call with a client or a sales call or whatever else it is, given the importance of those things that they need. Because often what will happen if you're a low performer, let's call it, is you'll allow shit just to run into that. You'll keep working all day long, but you won't really get much stuff done. And then you'll get to the end of the day and you'll feel crap because you didn't take a lunch break, didn't get any exercise done. You just walked all day, but you didn't actually make any progress anywhere. That is not a good place to be. And it's definitely not a high performance habit to be in. So creating those spaces for yourself to take care of business elsewhere, get your lunch, get some food, take some downtime, get to the gym, get a workout in, meditate, read journal, whatever it is you want to do during the day, but blocking time out so you can actually get that stuff done rather than just leaving it to chance. Because if you leave it to chance, chances are you won't do it or it won't get done. Something else will come in and take that time away from you. So you need to be strict on yourself and on your calendar to take that time back. <laughs> and one thing that can actually really help with this is what's called an implementation intention. And this I got from James Clear and Atomic Habits, but it's a really well-researched piece of advice when it comes to implementing new habits into your life. And an implementation intention is simply just creating an intention around when you're going to do something and what you're going to do. And it's stacking it onto another habit or another activity that happens consistently so that you know specifically what I'm going to do at what time. And an easy example is exercise. And I've actually done a really interesting study on this in the UK. They wanted to try increase the activity levels of three groups of people. And they broke them into groups. One was the control group. And this group were basically just told, we want you to exercise more often, right? The second group was a motivation group. So they were told, I want you to exercise more often, the same as the first group. But they were given a presentation on the benefits of exercise. So reduce cardiovascular disease risk, you know, increased energy, you feel better, you look better in clothes, you look better naked, all these things. So they were told to exercise more. And also given a little bit more motivation in the first group. But the third group got told to exercise more, same as the first group and second group. They got given the same presentation as the second group, so same conditions. But they were asked to create an implementation intention around when they were going to exercise. And all that simply was when, for example, one implementation intention could be when I finish, uh, finish work for lunch at 12 o'clock, I will go and get changed in my gym clothes and go to the gym. Or when I finish work at six o'clock in the evening, I will get in my car and drive to the gym. So in other words, you're just creating a specific intention around when they're going to exercise and what's the conditions that are going to lead to it. So when I finish work, for example, then I go to the gym. When I step away from the, from the uh, desk at home for lunch, I'm going to go to the gym. Whatever it was, but to create a specific intention. And the results were pretty amazing. So the first two groups increased their exercise. Or, sorry, the first two groups exercise at least once per week 
on average 35 to 38%. So in those groups, roughly one third of the participants in group one and group two exercise at least once a week after going through this experiment. So if there was 100 people in group one and 100 people in group two, about 33 people out of group one exercise at least once a week, at least about 33, or 33 people out of group two exercise once per week. But in group three, the group that had the implementation intention, 91% of the people in that group exercise at least once per week. So in other words, they were three times more likely to exercise, more or less, just by having an implementation intention. And that was it. That was the main difference between the three groups. But they were three times more likely to actually go and do it. So creating that into your own life will help create that high-performance habit for you. Having that implementation intention, being specific on this is what I'm going to do, this is when I'm going to do it. And holding yourself to that standard by blocking it out in your calendar and making sure you have the space to get it done. And a couple more things then just to kind of wrap up the work day segment of this is firstly, and this won't be a quick fix. This will be something you need to reflect on yourself, to try out some things and to be intentional with. But learning your energy flow and then where possible mapping your work together. So in other words, what way does your energy time kind of flow throughout the day? Some people find the morning times is when they're at their best in terms of their creativity. And that's when they'll write. That's when they'll maybe write content, they'll write their books, they'll do whatever it is they need to do, but they'll do the more creative work first thing in the morning. And then as the day wears on, they like to just get into more of the reactive work that they don't have to think about as much or be as creative with, maybe taking some more calls or you know, responding to emails or whatever else it is. Some people are the opposite. Some people prefer to do all the hard shit first thing in the morning. That's kind of how I like to do things is whatever tasks I really don't want to do. I just want to get them done first thing and get stuck straight into them. So that then later on in the day, I don't have to worry about them. They're off my mind. They're done and I can just get on with whatever else I need to do. So learning for yourself, what are the tasks? What are the ways of working that suit you best? And then setting up your day so that you can tackle the right tasks at the right times. And then the final thing on this one is use walks, use meditation, use naps, use those pieces of downtime through the day. Use them to help facilitate your energy levels. If you feel like, you know what, I get a bit of an energy slump at midday and I just kind of sit here for half an hour and I'm, you know, debating should I go to sleep or not. Don't just sit there passively. Be proactive about that. Say, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. Or, you know what, I'm going to meditate. You know what, I'm going to go for a nap. I'll have half an hour lunch break. I'll go for a 15 minute nap. Whatever it is, you don't have to neglect those things. You don't have to feel bad for taking them or needing them. Humans have evolved in a way where we've evolved our working system to think we're robotic in a sense i think we can just go for eight hours straight with a little bit of a break and perform at the same level through reality is that's not how humans are designed the human body is not designed and the human physiological and psychological function is not designed to be at 100 capacity for eight hours a day we walk in waves we walk in ebbs and flows and at different points we're more i suppose on it we're more focused we have more attention and energy and then at times we're depleted and we need to restore that. We need to get it back. And that may happen, happen a couple of times throughout the day. So learning those energy cycles for yourself, you're able to start mapping out, well, generally I kind of you know switch off a little bit around this time. And then building something in to help with that, whether it's a walk, your gym session, just getting out, getting some fresh air, grabbing a coffee, doing something different. But creating that into your space will actually allow you to perform at a higher level over time. Now, if you're a kind of type A person, you're really focused, you're really ambitious, you want to get stuff done, you may actually be resistant to the idea of that. Because you may think, well, if I take half an hour to go for a walk, I'm losing half an hour 
that I could be working on something else. And while that's true in theory, in practice, you'll actually make a lot more progress doing it the first way around as opposed to just forcing yourself to sit at a screen for an extra half an hour a day. And if you look at the overall productivity of that half an hour, you'd probably be much better off taking the half hour to go for a walk in terms of the impact that has on your productivity for the next two, three hours after that, as opposed to just gluing yourself to the screen and force yourself to sit there for an extra 30 minutes and then being you know, maybe half as productive as you could be and then continuing that for the rest of your working day. So don't be afraid to, to do that. Don't be afraid to take a little bit more time. At the end of the day, once you get your work done and you're hitting all your tasks that I said at the beginning, this is what a successful day looks like and you get all that stuff done, that's it. That's all you have to worry about. All right. And then last but definitely not least is, okay, we've had how we start the day in the morning. We've had how we conduct our work day and set ourselves up for success in that. How do I end the day now? How do I finish off the work day? How do I finish off a given day as a high performer? There's going to be three things on this that I want to cover. The first one, and it's simple, but <laughs> what simple isn't necessarily always done, it's have a cutoff point. Have a cutoff point. So know when to pull the plug on it. Know and say, right, I'm done work for the day. And that could be at four o'clock. It could be at eight o'clock. I don't necessarily have a specific time to say you need to finish work by this time. But know when to switch it off. And again, knowing your energy cycles can help with this, knowing that, you know, what well, come the evening time, I'm just done. I'm tapped out. I'm not productive. I don't get stuff done. Okay, cool. That's your end point then. Or maybe it's, you know, if the family come home from school around four o'clock. So by five o'clock, I like to be finished and be able just to chill and forget about work. Then fine, half that is your cutoff point. But don't leave it vague. Don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it thinking, ah, I'll be done when I'm done. Now, there will be sometimes when that is true and you have to just keep going. Of course. But for the most part, have specific deadlines. Have a time when you say, you know what, after this point, I'm finished. I'm done. And I'll go again tomorrow. If it's not done by this time, I'll do it tomorrow and it'll be forced on the to-do list. So having those specific cutoff points, rather than leaving things vague, rather than leaving it to chance, rather than just waiting and seeing what happens, it's not a high performance habit. And as I said, sometimes you will hit situations where you just need to kind of grit your teeth and walk a bit longer and get things done and keep going till it's finished. That's fine. It happens. We've all been there. But that should only be 20% of the time. You're 80% of your time. You should know this is when I'm finished. This is when I'll move on and do something different. Because if you're constantly just switched on and doing this stuff, you know, working, whatever it is that you may be doing, you know, you can be busy, but you can also be a busy fool. And you can be spending a lot of time doing things that aren't necessarily moving you forward. And as the Seneca quote at the start says, it's not necessarily that we have a lack of time. It's just that we waste a good deal of it. Chances are you're wasting time doing that. That could be spent on doing other things that enrich your lives another way. Like exercise, spending time with friends, spending time with family, networking, you know, reading, watching telly, watching United match, United fan, whatever it is. And doing the things that are important to you. And we spoke about values a lot on this podcast, not this episode, but other episodes of the podcast. And we want to make sure our lives are a reflection of our values. And if you're someone whose values are in alignment with family, or with relationships and with connection, but you're spending all day at work, you're spending all day time working, stressed out about work, and then you're feeling a bit down, you know, you don't feel fulfilled in life, you feel like you lack purpose. There's no coincidence there. It's because your life is out of alignment with your values. So we need to set ourselves up to be high performers in work but not to the detriment of our lives outside of work. And balance does exist. It's not going to be quite 50-50. It's not that you spend half your time at work and half your time doing other shit. Because at different stages of life, you may just be 
more focused on growth in certain areas. Like right now, you may be focused on business growth. Cool. So maybe 70% of your time is going to be spent on business and growing things. But there's still another 30% there that you can use for your, your other values, family, friendships, God, whatever it is that you're interested in and want to keep as part of your life. And maybe if you the right balance is that right now, maybe it is 70% focus on work and leaving a little bit of time in the evenings for other things. And at different stages of life, you know, a few months later, maybe that balance will shift and it will go in different directions. These things always evolve, but we can't just walk, walk, walk to the detriment of everything else. Because there's plenty of examples of people who are successful in their career, or successful in one area of life, and very unsuccessful in other areas of life. And they're not happy, they're not fulfilled. How many stories is there of the people who have millions and millions of euros or dollars, but kill themselves, suicidal, depressed, etc.? So we can't lose sight of that either. We need to have balance in that sense, but we need to live a life that's aligned with our values. And that involves having cut off points to say, you know what, I'm finished with this part of me now. I'm going to do something else. Another thing that's so important is the high performer, though, is reflection. Making space to reflect. You will learn so much from reading. You'll learn so much from listening, but you'll learn even more from reflecting on yourself. Reflecting on your progress or your lack of progress, reflecting on your wins and your losses on what went well, but also what went wrong. And creating that time and space to reflect is key. But most people don't do it because they see it as a cost. They see it as an expense on a balance sheet. They're like, mm, that's 10 minutes I could spend doing something else. So yeah, I'm not going to reflect. Don't do it. If you want to be a high performer, you need to be reflecting. And frequently, not every, not you know, on the 31st of December 2020, whatever year, you know, that's the one day year you reflect. Now it needs to be done more, more frequently than that. On a more regular basis, you can learn and you can adapt and grow at a much more rapid pace than people who just don't reflect. They only do it once a year when they're looking to set a target for the next year. And you can make time to reflect at the end of each day. And it only takes a couple of minutes. I'll tell you now three questions to ask yourself at the end of each workday or at the end of each day that can help you grow 1% at a time, which over time adds up to a massive, massive gain. And those three questions are, firstly, what went well? Literally, just list out what went well today. Number two, what did I learn? What one to three things did I learn today about myself, about my job, about work, about other people, about high performance, about my habits, about my energy flow, about what worked well for me, what didn't work so well for me? What did I learn today? And then the third question is, what one thing can I improve for tomorrow? So out of everything I've learned and what went well, what's one thing I can improve for tomorrow to make it 1% better? And that's it. It will take you five minutes to do, but if you do that at the end of each day, I guarantee you will see, you will see immediate improvements in how you perform and how you go about your day, but you'll start to see that very quickly translate into external results in terms of how fast you move ahead, how much progress you make, how quickly you learn, you grow and you start to be more productive. And then last but not least, the final thing to be a high performer, I would suggest, is at the end of your day, use it to get a head start on tomorrow. So use the last couple of minutes in today to get a head start on tomorrow. And all that could look like is simply pick your clothes for tomorrow and have them hanging out. Maybe take two minutes to look at your diary for tomorrow and plan your day ahead. Block out your times for the gym, for your lunch, for finishing work, whatever it is. Plan your schedule. Prepare your meals, prepare your lunch for tomorrow, prepare your breakfast for tomorrow. Leave the book that you want to read in the morning. Leave that out on your desk so it's there first thing. Do things that future you will thank you for. Don't leave yourself in a situation where future you is looking back, coursing past you. 
right? Do things and give yourself one head start tomorrow. Because if you're starting each day on the front foot already, then you're using the morning to get one step further ahead. Then you have your workday set up to match your energy flow. You know what you're doing. You're clear on what success looks like. You're ticking stuff off bit by bit. You're having a successful day. You get to the end of the day, you reflect, you learn some stuff. You know, your cutoff point, you know, I've finished work at this time. And then I'm going to go and do other things that are in alignment with my values. I'll make sure I'm finding balance and purpose and meaning in my life. And I'm using the last minutes of today to get a head start on tomorrow again. Just think if you do that day after day, week after month, month or week after week, month after month, how much further ahead you're going to get over the next six to 12 months than everyone else who's not doing those things. And the beautiful thing about all of this is it's completely in your control. You can take these habits and plug them into your life right away. You can say tomorrow I'm going to get up earlier. I'm not going to scroll. I'm going to set my morning upright. In my day, I'm going to apply as much of this as I possibly can around context switching, energy, blocking stuff out in my diary, making sure I have bandwidth. And then at the end of my day, I'm going to have a cutoff point from work when I'm finished and focus on other things that bring meaning and purpose to my life. I'm going to reflect on my day and I'm going to do one thing to give myself a head start on tomorrow. That's all completely in your control. You can take full responsibility right now to go and do that. And I hope after spending however long listening to this podcast, you do it. You go and you start embodying some of these high performance habits. Because I guarantee if you do, you will see immediate improvements in how you show up in the world. And very quickly, you'll see massive gains in how that translates into actual external performance. People will notice it. People will see you're performing at a higher level. Your work will be better. How you show up will be better. Your attitude will be better. And ultimately, your results will be better as well. So that is it for today's episode of the podcast, all about high performance habits, and which ones you should take into your mornings, to your work days, and to your evenings to set yourself up for success. So please, off the back of this, go and implement, go and use, put some of these into play, and let me know how you get on, because I would love to hear the impact that they have on your life. And if they have any small impact in the same way that they did mine, I'm sure you'll get a lot of benefit from it. So until next time, go be a high performer, and I'll talk to you soon.